We're live. People are listening. We're here. Here we are. Hope everybody's doing well. Welcome to another episode of the Table Podcast. We're rocking and a riggedy rolling. You remember that one? Uh, do you remember that one game, Papa the Rapper? Remember that? I don't know why that sticks in my mind. No. I think it's because like it's one of those words that's just like Papa Board the Rapper. No, it's like a video game. Really? Papa oh yeah, the Rapper? Papa the Rapper. And it's like it was like you. I forget how it works, but basically like you're rapping. I don't know as you're playing. It's like video a Tamagotchi. Game. Dude, remember Tamagotchis yeah. and you had to feed them the little the little <laughs> kibbles and bits, dude? Yeah. No, mine always died. What, your Tamagotchi yeah, always died? Yeah, it just didn't work out. Yeah, 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 yeah. What were we just talking about? Tamagotchis? Well, no, before that. I lost Papa. my train of thought. What were we talking about right before that? Papa the Rapper? Papa, Papa the, the Rapper. <laughs> oh, yeah, the dude oh. with that red beanie. and. Oh, was it like Dance Dance Revolution before Dance Dance? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Are you... Are you are you? I know you are, Drew. What? Like freestyle rapping? No. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, it's a rapping thing. Oh yeah. Like yeah. you can, you can <laughs> I was spit about, from I was, bars. <laughs> I was about to spit some bars and then I, oh, I okay. cramp up. I lock up. <laughs> cramp, cramp. I cramp up. up. My my thought box cramps up. <laughs> you ever had your thought box cramp up on you? I feel like that should be like a, a infomercial. Your you box get, ever cramp? You got your thought box cramping on you? <laughs> dude i don't care if anybody thinks we're funny like uh, if i was listening to us i think we're yeah. hilarious <laughs> like, is your thought box <laughs> cramping on you that's freaking good quality i got quality, thought box quality. cramps oh my gosh <laughs> what would you do for a thought box cramp eat a banana mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eat mustard, a, bun- a little mustard on top little mustard that's dude my grandma's like that she thinks oh my gosh people are funny mm-hmm. And especially people, I don't even know how to describe it. Like my grandma, like whenever she has a, a, a leg cramp, mm-hmm. she swears that if you take a dab of mustard and put it on your tongue instantaneously, bro, no. the cramp goes away. Oh, yeah. She, she, she swears by it. How, how is, is that even, first of all, Google and see if that's real. Because cramp. I want to know how. Like cramps, mustard I, on tongue. I think Google, Google mustard dude. on <laughs> Mustard on, mustard on tongue cramps. Hey, huh? you know what I bet it's like? It's like the celery thing. What? There's just Placebo. sodium. It's just sodium and like, what? you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm on the celery juice thing though. I like that. How I, do you feel? I, well, I feel good, but I, it it probably could be the placebo effect. But hey, you know what I mean? If it works for you, then it works for you. You're getting a lot of green in you. You're getting a lot of green in you. Yeah. Me. Why yeah. mustard works for muscle cramps. Grandma is serious? Home remedies. Before drugs, there were herb spices, yada, yada, yada. I don't um, know, man. It, it just, says pickle juice works well, too. I, I don't know. It just uh, seems like put it on your tongue, and then all of a sudden, my cramps are gone. Yeah. So if you ever have a thought box cramp, just get yourself some mustard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why do we say mustard? It should be mustard, I feel like. Mm. Dijon. Did, uh, Dijon. 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 Target. target. People say Target. Got to go to Target. Target. Don't let's not get on that box again. We're thinking about doing ASMR, ASMR videos, ASMR videos, ASMR, ASMR, ASMR videos. ASMR videos. Here I go. Here's a little sample. You can subscribe to our other channel, the Table ASMR. Here we go. Okay. Did you hear the finish? Did you hear the finish? Go ahead. What do you got? You got one? With my ghetto mic. We need a sponsor. Look at yeah. my microphone, all right? Here you know we go. No. <laughs> so, 
you know what? It's funny because like people tell me that like ASMR is like therapeutic. Like I have a buddy, a buddy of mine. They say that they played those videos to go to sleep. Oh, it's like a noise machine for them or something. Oh my gosh! It's, Could you imagine that as no. you sleep? I watched Bro. something on Netflix about ASMR, and the, there was like it's basically you're in two camps. Like either it like it's therapeutic for you, or it's like just disgusting. You're camping out one of two places. <laughs> right. Have you heard of that thing called like a, a mukbang or something like that? Or I've heard of that. I don't know. Bang or something. Oh, what's that? Mukbang or something. <laughs> it's that? like where they order just a ton of food and then they just video themselves while they eat it. And then it's not like a challenge. Like they don't have to eat it all. They just like, you're just watching someone eat. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I don't, to me, like watching someone. <laughs> no, it is weird. But it's like, yeah, for some like, reason, that's been a thing. People like have careers off doing Muck it. Mukbang. You know? People get a career off of hot dog eating contest, bro. <laughs> Joey Chestnut. Yeah, you, who's that? Is that the hot dog eater? Yeah. He eats hot Kobayashi. dogs. Dude, how do you eat that many hot dogs and feel good about yourself? There's no amount of money. How do you get into that, that line of work? That's what I want to know. Just, Dude, <laughs> have you seen Kobayashi, though? No. Jacked. Really? Who? Oh, oh, he's, like, he's that... like yoked. Oh, my gosh. Most, and, most people that are good at that are big. What's a lot of protein? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's Straight hot. dogs. Okay, but dogs are, you know what are in those things? Have you ever read like the, con- oh, yeah, pull up bro. contents of a hot dog, dude, Cons- and then tell me how good you feel about yourself after you eat those, <laughs> Mr. Tagashi. <laughs> see, <laughs> Mr. Sarkashi. See, see how good you feel after you eat a hot dog, after knowing what's in it. What is what's it? What's in a hot dog? Not um, good things. Not real meat. It's just it's just meat trimming. So it's okay. Like the, meat trimmings. It's like the parts <laughs> of the. What does it say? It says meat trimmings um, separated from meat. Pink slime, meat slurry. Okay, slime and slurry. If it's in a hot dog, no thank you. You know what? what? I have a. There's an insider tip. I know someone who works at Taco Bell, and they say that the um, meat is actually pink goo, and then once uh. they squeeze it out into the pan, then uh. it turns into meat. Uh. Yeah. That's the weird thing. It's like Taco Bell is like one of those things that you that you know you shouldn't do, but you do it anyway. You have to. Yeah. You ever had a smell that like stunk, but you still wanted to sniff it? Mm-hmm. You ever been there? It's yeah. like people with the, with life. with their own flatulence, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what oh, I'm talking no, about? I don't do that. No, but you can tolerate your own flatulence. You can even take a. Oh God! You know what I'm saying? Take a good whiff of it, and it doesn't bother you. Dude. Put somebody else in the car. You know how disgusting it is hey. to smell something like that. I'll never forget this one time. Yeah. I was reading my sister's, um, remember uh, Seventeen? Yeah. What is that, the magazine? It's a ma- magazine for probably teenage girls. And uh, it was when we were growing up and I was reading it and it was like talking about, it was like, oh my God, like you, you could write in and tell like a story, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like um, talking about how uh, this girl was, got partnered up to work out mm-hmm. and do sit-ups with a boy that she really liked. And, and as she was sitting up, she farted right on his face. <laughs> oh. And then there was another one, because I think the whole thing was on farts. And the other one was uh. like, hey, to, uh. like a true, like I'm telling the truth, like a uh. like a like something I would never tell you in person, you know? And it was like, um, sign anonymous. When someone farts, I actually smell it. Oh, like I actually sniff like, that's so gross. Oh, there's a, there's a hey. show on. That's like, so gross. When we get a sound bite thing, we're going to have that. On there for that's so sure. Gross. That's so good. Hey, real life story. I remember being in uh, freshman in high school, and I won't say her name, um, but I remember we were in physics class, physics AP. I was taking physics AP, which I had no business being in that class. But there was this girl, and she was actually a real pretty girl in, in school. Like a lot of the guys liked her. And she was one of, you know, a lot of people like do weird things. Like when I've never understood it, but like if you're sitting in a chair, you put your leg up on the chair while you're sitting there. So like if you're watching, you can see this, but if you're not, it's going to be awkward. But you have your leg up on the chair like this, right? And she's writing, bro. She's writing, bro. Good looking girl, normal girl. 
and we sit, we're sitting there, and it's quiet, and the teacher's teaching, and then all of a sudden you hear, oh my god, and I, oh I look over at her, and I give her a scowl. She looks at me, and she goes, shrugs her shoulders. Hmm, it's natural. It's oh, natural, oh my dude. God. See, we weren't raised in that type of house. Not you know natural. I mean? Not so. It doesn't smell natural. But but I think you have you have. There's two camps. There's those who fart in the house, really, <laughs> and then there's the, the other it. camp is, hey, you don't fart. You, you fart in the bathroom. Yeah, Go we to don't. The bathroom. You have designated no. fart spots. I didn't. My Ugh. my. Yeah, I never knew that girls did that until I got married. <laughs> they do. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Oh, oh, my no. wife's gonna kill me for that. Oh, no. that one. No, I hope that hope we're hopefully we're not offending people. People are so offendable these days, dude. Like yeah. they really are. And I hope that you're not easily if you're if you're offended by any of this, just you know what? Just turn off the podcast. Probably not. <laughs> you need to loosen up. Probably not the show for you. Quit no. being so uptight. Like you know what I mean? You're not. People get uptight about the weirdest things. People get uptight about that that uh, whatever that brass goat head thing oh, on the yeah, wall yeah. is. And they get so suspicious, dude. Uh-huh. Like, hey, Nick, can I talk with you? Yeah, what's up? So what's what's going on with this? Uh, this I saw something online the other day. What's going on with this uh, this gold head? This gold this gold bullhead? Oh got, my gosh! Got on, on your wall. I'm like, oh yeah, it's a it's a decoration, dude. Like it's called a decoration. Well, what's going on with it? It was on sale at Target. That's what's going on with it. And it just goes on the wall for the podcast. Yeah. So it's not a black. It's not just a blank wall. Pretty simp. Chill. Pretty simp. Not difficult. This yeah. is not. This is not brain science. This is not rocket surgery. You feel me? It's like you feel me. We. I was literally Facetiming you at Target. Like, what do not I get? brain science? And he said that, dude, and and especially, especially with the Christian crowd, you gotta make so oh, much yeah. stuff up all the time just to keep them happy. This is what we're saying: loosen up, let one slip. We have a gold <laughs> thing on our on our wall. Loosen let, up, let one slip. Be in our camp. If you got, we let them slip. You gotta fart free zone, right? If you gotta here. rip them, then rip them and roar them, dude. If you gotta rip them, then rip them and roar them. Really though, people though, even like with the table, it's so annoying. People are just so annoying. They don't. I don't. What's, why do you have a statue face? Because I want a statue face. Because it's art. It's art. It's not that complex. It's not that. It's not that. Just, dude, you need to chill out. You're very. You're definitely the kind of person that doesn't laugh when you're around your family. No, there's that song. It reminds me of that song. That goes, what? Let it go, and I'll be you. Oh, oh yeah, James, James, James Bay. And Come now, on, let it yeah. go. That's what, that needs to be the intro, yeah. bro. You know what I mean? Let it go, let it go. Or that one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> people really should let it go. Anyway, moving along. Don't be so sensitive is what I'm saying. And if you are sensitive, then this is not the podcast for you. We love you. We love you so much. We'll let you go. Let's see if you come back to us. If it's meant to be, you'll come back to us. On the podcast today, the legendary Alan Autry. Alan is... Uh, man, such a straight of a legend. I know I say mm-hmm. that about a lot of people, but he really is. Uh, he's an actor, television star uh, from the hit show back in the day, In the Heat of the Night. He was uh, Bubba Bubba Skinner, I think his name yeah. was. He was just, man, he's just the man. And uh, since then, he got into politics, a lot of different things. And um, and he's just, just an incredible, incredible human being. And um, I know you're going to enjoy the convo today. Um, there's a lot of things we talk about on this podcast, and I think it's always important to remind people because we have a lot of listeners that come from different um, different places, different spaces. Uh, we do have a large demographic that even comes from from the church, from the Christian church. 
um, world. And if you're listening to this content as if you would going to church or listening to like your favorite communicator preaching podcast or something like that, you're you're really going to miss out on a lot. That's not what this is. This is this is putting ourselves in a position to grow as humanity through the power of conversation. I think so many of us live limited, um, especially when it comes to just our contentment, our joy. Uh, our happiness in life because we don't know how to be okay when things are not. We don't know how to handle relational tension or trauma or, um, you know, being in disagreement with somebody mm-hmm. and not allowing that to, and, and being able to stay happy at the same time. And so the things that even in these conversation, you'll hear some today and, and even in a lot of the podcasts, there's so many times that I'm sitting across the table from someone I don't necessarily maybe uh, possess or agree with all of all of their views. But when I sit with uh, with the intention of listening, you know, yeah. when I feel that when yeah. I, I encourage everybody, like when you're in a conversation, we all know what it's like when somebody says something and it almost talking about being easily offended, like it lights that internal fire mm-hmm. and you want to just walk out. You want to leave. You want to say, I don't agree with that. You want to turn it off. You want to argue. Yeah. I feel like those are the times that you have to let that fire burn till it burns out so that you can separate yourself from your ego and really listen. And when you do, you realize that, man, we're all passionate about our views, but we have so much more in common. And I think when you can do that, you literally teach yourself psychologically to be able to be okay when things are not, and to know that we don't have to allow our views, even though they be diverse, to divide us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the danger of even our society now and why this podcast is so... I think important is because you can easily there's there's so much access to what you want to hear that you can find that I can yeah. load my Twitter feed with all of the ideals that I oh, want to so hear good. and that's all I'm gonna hear yeah. if I if I want um, if if it's so easy to unfollow someone and never have to yeah. address the the um, the things that they're trying to say and yeah. I think even through this whole podcast I've even started hearing stuff where I'm like, oh, I don't agree with that. But then once I fight to hear more, yeah. that's where I'm like, I get where they're coming from now yeah. and it oh, yeah. makes sense. I think too, if, 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 you know, even what you believe is, is right, or you feel like it's right for you at the end of listening, your beliefs really will only be made stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like I find myself so much of the time in one of the, one of two places, either I hear something and I realize, wow, Everything that I believed about the subject up to now has just been passed down from news, from other people, yeah. from family yeah. members. And it's it's one forcing me to say, okay, do you really think that? Like you've said that a lot, but do you really like believe that? Yeah. Or number two, it just continues to confirm and to strengthen the things that I that I feel like at this place in my life I do know for sure. Yeah. You know. I think it when when especially when you like uh if it strengthens you, what's cool too about that is uh, I feel like it uh, gives you more compassion for who you're listening to. Yeah. You know? And that's what, honestly, like this intro could be summed up in chill, bro, because that's really <laughs> what it is. Like learning to chill because, you know, even in your, your views today, guaranteed will not be your views five years from now. Yeah, and yet we're so passionate about our views today. Five years, they won't be exactly the yeah. same because they yeah. weren't the same five years ago. Yeah. So I think like the more you can just chill, bruh, and relax and be willing to entertain new ideas and know that, that it, it's, 
it, it they're not necessarily your views, but there's there's no harm in hurting and I feel yeah. and hearing and I feel like when you hear them, you actually position yourself to grow yeah. as a human. And the more we can do that, the more empathy we have, the more we have a table, so to speak, for change and conversation to say, okay, we don't see eye to eye. How can we still move things forward? Yeah. You're gonna hear that yeah. in this podcast, even when he talks about politics, right? Yeah. Like we don't agree, but how do we keep the the purpose of our life or the thing that we're both after. Mm -hmm. And I think with humans, it's like we're wanting worth and love and acceptance and wanting to know that we matter. Yeah. How do we still fight for the same things, even though we are very passionate about yeah. fighting for them in different ways? Yeah. yeah, that's really good. So ladies and gentlemen, that's a lot to say. Without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, Alan Entry. What was that show about? You want to do a radio show, or they uh, they you approached or? me. You know, uh -huh. I, I just out of the uh, mayor's office, you know, and I want to take a lex sale. I'm not doing anything, you know, just kind of get right with him. Yeah, and uh, asked me about it, and it was great, but it's a lot more work than you think. Why? Why so? Why? You just got to prepare. Oh, were no, you writing? It was, it was all a your political stuff? talk show. Yeah, a well, they have these guests coming up, and everything. You, the you got to write your opening. Yeah, you know all that stuff and. Yeah, this is work, man. You're doing. <laughs> Wait a minute, I, I wanted to unwind here, yeah. you know. And you yeah. leave it five days a week. Paid me good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was kind of glad when it. I finished up the contract because that's not one of my gifts. Yeah. Why radio? Radio, radio is not a gift. Really? I got a face that's made for radio, but everything else didn't fit. <laughs> you know? How did, so you just got you were riding the what the wave of politics? Well, that was the interest. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was interested in, in you know what goes on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a lot more to it than that, you know. It's just like Sean Hannity says, everybody wants to do radio show number one, but what do you do on show number 500? <laughs> right? Sustaining it. That's totally the truth, though. Right? It's all exciting. <laughs> yeah, you're done on Monday. Oh, it's for Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Obama's got to get it together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. How many times can you say that? I know. And people, I mean, the and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't run him. I had disagreements, but I wouldn't get personal. Yeah. With anybody. But I'd get these calls. And, Why don't you tell it like this? Well, I'm kind of in what I think it is, you know, because I don't have to want to string him up. Was that, was that intentional, though? Like not going in, not picking sides or not going Well, in? no, I would pick a side if I felt like you pick a side. Like if it mattered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like in, in the faith world, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. going to, you know, uh, you know, if somebody says that Jesus is not the way, the truth, the life, and one comes to the Father, but to them, I got to make a stand. Right. But if somebody is the Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday. I'm right. not going to get in a knocked out track out over that. Right. <laughs> I, go, yeah. I look in the Bible. I don't see what well, that has to do with salvation. Yeah. Fun to talk about, but mm -hmm. you know, um, it seems like too. Like in our society, half the time it's more about the conversation us versus them and pinning us versus them mm -hmm. than it actually is mm -hmm. trying to get us to understand one another. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's always what you focus on. So much of today is, I think, you focus on the differences between people yeah. instead of what we all have in common. Which is so much more. So much more. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's so much more exciting. People think, well, uh, that's not exciting. That's, uh, you got to mix it up. You yeah. got to fight. You know? And the problem is, today's day and time in the political world, mm -hmm. uh, I don't honor what I'm seeing by call it fighting. Because Paul talks about fighting the good fight. Yeah. 
fighting denotes, um, you know, that you believe in something, that you're willing to stand up for something. Yeah. It's, uh, it's how you choose to fight. And what I'm seeing the political parties out there, they're, they're putting the mirage out there that they're actually getting in fighting the good fight. Yeah. And I, I was talking to somebody the other day, I said, back in the day, they used to get out in the middle of the ring and fight. If I can use a yeah. uh, boxing analogy, I mean, it, it's like in one corner is Fox News, the other corner is CNN. So the Democrats run over there to the CNN corner, and they start yelling to people over there. Right. The, the conservatives go over to the Fox corner, and they start yelling back at each other. But they never come out in the middle of the ring right. and actually fight the good fight so we the people can say, you know what, that's a good point. Let me see what the person's going to say. They don't. They just stay in the corner and yell insults. Yeah. I say, I'd like to see a real good fight. I'd like to see both parties bring their best stuff in the middle of the ring and fight the good fight. Right. It used to be called debate. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and this country yeah. was based on on good, strong, sometimes heated debate. Right, it's how we got a country. Yeah, um, and you know, and in, in I was just one of those guys that always brings things back to the to the spiritual world, you know. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of debate, probably amongst the disciples, and yeah, certainly Jesus and the Pharisees oh, yeah. had a little bit going on there. And uh, so, anyway, doesn't it I, seem like though too? I mean, in politics, everything seems so bandwagony to me. Like mm-hmm. if you're like I see it with Republicans and Trump, or you see uh, with Democrats and, and their side of uh, the spectrum, that almost like sometimes their candidate can do no wrong as long as it fits within their box of Republican or whatever. Yeah. You know, like there's not, it's not up for discussion. Or like you're saying, let's talk about it, let's wrestle with it, let's put it out yeah. in the ring, and and uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think I agree with you 100. percent And I think it goes even further than that. I think you have a culture of what they call death by authorship, mm. meaning even if it's a good idea, if it comes from the wrong party mm. or the wrong person, we're not going to adopt it. Isn't that so true, though? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm convinced literally yeah. if uh, a Republican, yeah. if Donald Trump came up and had a cure for cancer, right? literally had the cure, mm-hmm. it would be rejected mm-hmm. by the entire Democratic Party. You said because it came from him. If Nancy Pelosi come up and yeah. had a cure for Alzheimer's. Yeah, the Republican Party will find some way to discredit <laughs> her. Yeah, and, and why do and we do ridicule. that? Why is that? Why are, why are we there? I think the the Bible talks about that. When mm-hmm. man is left to his own devices, they create what's right yeah. in their own eyes, and uh, and we're. I think it's symptomatic of a. Uh, you, you know, all these freedoms we have: freedom of uh-huh. speech, freedom to bear arms. Um, I forget who said it, but I think Ben Franklin said it. He said, these freedoms will only work on a moral people mm. because that freedom of speech will be used to harass people. Mm. Uh, the freedom to assemble will mean you'll form a mob. Yeah. Uh, freedom of arms means you'll recklessly use them whenever you want. And uh, I think that's what's happened. We've taken those precious freedoms, which were uh, what they call the great experiment, the United States, yeah. uh, were given in a different manner. Never yeah. before had uh, the freedoms and rights that God gave man and woman been codified yeah. into a governmental structure. Prior, it was the rights that man decided to give to other men. Yeah, And so the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And when the founding fathers put in there that we find these truths to be self-evident, that everyone is created, everyone by the created by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, mm-hmm. and uh, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And I think it's preamble mm-hmm. said we 
we, we, we draw this constitution up to secure the blessings for, mm. for us and future generations. So when you take those God-given uh, freedoms and start imbuing them with fleshly mankind, yeah. you get chaos. Oh, and you see it, right? You get I mean, chaos. That's... Yeah, that, exactly. Because people said, I mean, look at America. Look, you're not going to, it's not going to survive. All these different people, different backgrounds, different, and but the, but the, what's held us together is those those God given rights, and that's why when you take God out of the public square, um, you're in trouble. I'm all, I'm all for separated church and state. Yeah, you know, it's uh, funny too but, because but, it, but separation of God from state is disastrous. Yeah. You know? It's funny because I think that that's, there's something in human nature that takes things that were at once intended for good and almost we use it as a weapon oftentimes against one another. You see people do that with scripture, mm-hmm. right? Like you'll you'll go to war with your human brother over, mm-hmm. um, you know, your view of interpretation of scripture. People, Christians will use scripture as a weapon, weapon. against each other rather than an agent for healing. Absolutely. You know, you think, I mean, in politics, you see the same thing, we, like exactly what you're talking about. We have these things that were created to help us as a, as a society. And then we use those things to defend our own injustice. Right. It's no, there's just no doubt nature. about that. And I think that's why you're seeing the church being a non-factor. Mm-hmm. There's disunity. The church. Mm-hmm. You're seeing churches uh, put up walls, yeah. becoming silos, uh, envious and distrustful of other ministries. Yeah. You know, instead of getting together back in the day, G.L. Johnson yeah. started a thing called a no-name fellowship. So, you know, all these churches coming together and say, hey, what can we do together? Yeah, and that has kind of faded away. Yeah, I think because of, of what you just said. But you know, you're talking about how man comes in and kind of does his things with 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 God's laws. You're much more knowledgeable in this than I am. But I think you know there was a Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. and by the time Jesus came, how many other laws were added? Four hundred and sixty something <laughs> things you had to do right <laughs> to, to, to get to heaven. Well, you could take the yeah. the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Yeah. There were certain bill of rights, but then man comes in and puts all these other laws yeah. that you have to follow in order to be a good citizen, right. and all this stuff. And um, and when this country loses its its moral core, uh, it just simply can't stand up to it. It's uh, that's why there's been many more dictatorships in the history of the world than there has been democracies. There's never been a democracy like the United States of America. Yeah. And it's the reason it works or has worked yeah. is because it's the recognition and dependence upon God and godly principles. And it, what you just said, right. it's just man has come in there and we're seeing the... I don't know about you, but 2020, man, we better buckle up. <laughs> we, we think we've seen some ugliness in 2000, yeah. some fighting. My yeah. gosh, yeah. it is going to be horrible. It's funny, too, like the times we choose to, I don't know, you think about these people that are, you know, strict constitutionalists that want to drive back to the Constitution almost when it's convenient for them. You think, I heard a comedian the other day, and they were talking about, like, the, the like if their founding fathers can come back and look look at, like, the Constitution. Like, they were talking about how they would, like, wouldn't they not laugh that we haven't changed, you know, some of these things? Like, we made this to kind of start the nation. What is your take on that? Well, do, you think I, that the, do you think that it should be developed as time goes on? I think you got to be very careful with that. Because uh-huh. uh, I do believe God was at work with these founding fathers okay. and mothers. I do believe that document that came out of it. There was nothing like it in the history of the world. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that once independence from Britain 
was a team. And now that was like a country for him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. Robert Redford in The Candidate. Right. You know, he's this puppet goes along and they win the election and he gets in the limousine, looks at his handler, and he goes, now yeah. what? Yeah. So you had, you had <laughs> all of us who've been independents, now what? Well, yeah. we got to form a country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were heading towards uh, the structure that would inexorably and logically lead to the creation of another king. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alexander Hamilton was... Want to start out with having a you know you're saying strong, we were we yeah. were heading towards oh, that oh yeah Alexander really? Hamilton wanted a strong central government mm. all the states now Virginia Jefferson those other guys wanted to keep state rights very very strong yeah so you know it um, the uh, the 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 whole premise of those freedoms were to make sure nothing that we fought for is nothing like that could ever happen. Mm. With, with, with King George, uh, taking all these rights away. Um, and so the right of free speech right. is pretty pretty evident. Yeah. I don't think there's, right. there's really need, need to be any kind of mm-hmm. evolution for the better mm-hmm. with that. Uh, of course, you can't yell fire in a, in a, in a uh, movie theater. Right. And I think if you go down, if, if uh, cool minds and logical minds and strong moral minds and hearts get together and look at that constitution, I think you'll see where there was room for it needed to be uh, some things in there changed. For example, they knew, Washington, Jefferson, who owned slaves, knew that slave ownership was like poison to all the other stuff in there. Mm -hmm. All men are created equal. All men. Then you call a slave three-quarters, three-fifths of a man. So they knew that women's right to vote. That needed to happen, these certain amendments. But they also put some absolutes in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Second Amendment gets a lot of play. Yeah, yeah. Most people, you know. Yeah. You know well, the right. especially in today's climate, right? Right. And I think that one is the real hot-button issue because some people say, and I happen to agree with them, if you don't have a Second Amendment, government historically has abused power, and you will have that First Amendment, mm. freedom of speech, freedom of religion, all that taken from you. You have to you have to be able to protect yourself against abuse of governments, but I also don't think it meant that, you know, that you should be able to park a tank in a right. in your driveway. Yeah, that's my arms. Well, yeah. I, I I think that's a ridiculous notion too. There's a certain amount of assault weapons and things that, you know, in the wrong hands. So that could do some evolution. I'm all for, for a second women, don't give me right. So I think it's just thoughtful discussion, Nick. We're not having that in this no. country on the Constitution. No. Well, because everybody wants to be right. Everybody just wants yeah, it to be done their exactly. way. You know? what, I, what I think is so interesting about human nature is a lot of the times that I've been in um, even passionate disagreements with people that are close to me, whether it be friends or family members, we're both fighting for our side of the mountain. But when we stop and say, what, what is the outcome we're looking for? You know, it's like, well, we're looking for, you know, whether it would be safety or whether it would be security or whether it would be acceptance or whether it would be feeling like I matter. We're fighting for the same destination. We're just fight. We're, we just had different ways of, of, of getting there. And I think sometimes if we could just slow down to have the conversation to say, wait, we're fighting for the same things, we could almost have more productive conversations mm-hmm of being able to wrestle and toil with our opinions to find out where they could maybe, um, you know, cross intersect to, absolutely. to find better solutions. Ab- absolutely. And the problem is early on in our development as a country, we weren't as spoiled. 
Yeah. We're spoiled now. What do you mean? What do you mean? We are absolutely spoiled now. You cannot starve in this country. Yeah. And back then you could. Now, ignorance can keep you from starving. If you don't know where to go to go get food stamps or you don't know to to go to the... the, Right, because there are people that are starving, but those are... They're ill-informed. It's there. Hmm. Uh, I have not seen to this day other than those tragic instances where... um, People have been kept slaves in a home, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, in the, the basement, right. and you yeah. find them, and they're all emaciated. Right. I've never seen an American kid or put, or put forth that lived in a region mm-hmm. that you look at them, and they're emaciated like they are in, in the Congo. So determining what those outcomes that bring us together yeah. that are big enough to override our differences, that we say, hey, if we don't work together, none of us are going to eat supper tonight. Right. Okay. Back in the Depression, yeah, people came together. They call it a barn raising. Hmm. You didn't have to go out and get a you know you know a permit or this and that. A family needed a barn raise. All the other families got together and they helped raise the barn. So I think you know it was a saying that I came up with. I said, in good times you can lose your shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, bad times, rather bad economic times, you can lose your shirt. In good economic times, you can lose your soul. Hmm. And I think not having <laughs> oh, yeah. not having that consensus yeah. on what is important enough to hold us together is critical to the survival of this country. Yeah, and I think that's what you're talking about. Um, case in point, I had a you know because of my position on marriage, I mm-hmm. think that marriage between one man and one woman was a a holy union that uh, preceded the Constitution. Uh, I think to redefine that. It's not something we had the right to do. Now, that that statement got misinterpreted out there mm-hmm. all here in, in Fresno. And I happen to love the gay community. Right. One of my best friends, Howard Rollins, on Heathen Night was gay. Mm-hmm. Gay people in my own family. Yeah. So, And they know that I would literally die for them, mm-hmm. family. Okay? But that got out there. Yeah. Mayor. And, um, and I got an invitation to speak at a local group, there was about 300 people of the gay community there. And a young man, I'm ashamed to say, I've got his name there, blonde-haired kid, great kid, kid, he's like late 20s, invited me to come there to get a question and answer, mm-hmm. <laughs> a grilling. Wow. I knew what was coming. And my chief of staff uh, recommended I not go. A lot of people says don't go there. And I said, why? I'm going to go in there because I love everyone. Yeah. And they're getting a half truth. I'm getting to the point where we're talking about, but it's kind of kind of as an illustration of my yeah, yeah. life how this. So um, we go in the room, and uh, I'm introduced by this young man who's very respectful to me, and they start asking me my position on it, and I said, and, uh, you know, that's my position on that. Uh, I'm for civil unions. I believe that anybody wants to partner up in life. I said that wasn't reported. Wasn't hear a little murmuring out in the crowd. Uh, which would have put me way on the bad side of many of my conservative brethren mm-hmm. for civil unions. In fact, I think it's for anybody. You want to partner up, mm-hmm. you know, to make it through life, you know, business-wise and whatever. You want? To, I'm open to that, whatever that looks like. But I said, in terms of my faith, I think I, I can't sit here, and I'm not going to be one of these two-faced people. And then there was a guy who had been shipped in from – wasn't from – I found out later wasn't from Fresno. And he says, well – how can you say that you love gay people when you actually hate them? And I said, well, you're saying I hate gay people? He said, yes. 
because I don't support marriage. He said, yeah. I said, uh, well, let me ask you. I said, do you believe the homeless should, uh, we should help the homeless? Yes. Of course. I said, so do I. Do you believe that every kid should have a shot at a quality education? He said, yeah. I said, so do I. Mm-hmm. I said, do you believe when somebody's down on their luck that we should give them a helping hand back up if we can? Yes. So do I. Do you believe everybody should have a chance to have a uh, good health care when, when they don't have any money, that, that we, we shouldn't let them die out in the streets again? Yeah, I said, so do I. And I went through a list. I was having a pretty good brain day that night. It was like one in a million. <laughs> it was flowing. It was flowing. <laughs> and, and, uh, hmm. and I said, uh, and by the way, uh, do you also know that as mayor, you said, uh, there was mentioned earlier in the conversation, they were nervous about how I deal with the gay community and my faith. So let me tell you about my faith. I said, my faith demands, doesn't ask, demands that I treat and love everyone, whether they share my faith, have no faith, mm-hmm. are gay, straight, transgender, whatever. I, as mayor, am required to give them the best public safety in their neighborhoods, to fight beside them if injustice comes their way, mm-hmm. to make sure that their kids get a quality education, their families. And if they're discriminated in the workplace, I'll be right there beside them. Now, you're going to hope that I change my opinion on that. And I'm glad you do. Hmm. And I'm going to sit there and I have my, my thoughts on that. But we've got nine different things that we agree on, that we can literally go hand in hand hmm. and go work on together. We can't set that one thing over there. Because if it does happen, you right. I'm not going to crusade against it. Yeah. I didn't crusade against it. It wasn't an anti-gay marriage yeah. rally that we had. Mm-hmm. It was exalted. And uh, I get almost teared up with this because um, the young man came out. It was done. And he had tears in his eyes. And he gave me a hug in front of all these folks, mm. the gay community. This was the, one of the leaders, young leaders. And I'm sitting there going, okay, what do I do with that? I was kind of a little stiffened up like a board there. I didn't quite know how to handle it. And wiped away his tears, put his arms around me, and looked out the audience and says, Mr. Autry reminds me of my father. Hmm. My father did not agree with gay marriage. Yet my father always had my back. My father loved me. My father was there for me. We worked through to this day. I love my father. He loves me. And he looked at me, he says, he's a good man. And he put a valid, and I'll never forget that. And that crowd gave me polite applause, proceeded to have for the next six years a wonderful relationship. Because, again, it's, it wasn't about, you know, the gay marriage. My, my whole thing is if you want to get married over here in the uh, arena of the public, I can, uh, the uh, justice of the peace or whatever, mm-hmm. but I can't. Force, I won't be one forcing a church to perform a marriage other than man and a woman because of their their beliefs. And to me, if that's enough to tear us apart, I said, I, I, I don't think, I know that means a lot to a whole lot of people, but I found a lot about the gay community. They're not a one issue. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? They're not ready to throw you out with the bathwater. Gotcha. You're going to fight gotcha. for them when they're discriminated yeah. in the public, uh, uh, in the workforce. And I will have. I've come to the aid. Yeah. And if uh, to, for equal rights to 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 stand by that gate to be my, it's like for example, um, 
I, Howard Rollins, who was openly gay on mm-hmm. the other night, he played Detective Tibbs. Yeah. And uh, he and Tibbs. I, oh, yeah, we used to have <laughs> some great conversations. And Howard was my friend. Yeah. And that's if I was driving down the street and I see three guys who are uh, so called right wing gay haters beating on my friend, my gay friend. Yeah. I get out of the car, I'm going to give you one guess who I'm going to go back up. Right. That's going to be my gay friend. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's a complex issue, but if you sit down and talk it out, it's not as demonistic but it is now that it's demonistic. If you don't agree with a whole agenda, you're done, man. Right. You are the Antichrist. Yeah. You are the demon. Yeah. Both sides. Yep. Both sides. I sit down, people have trouble with, with religion, with with God, with, with Christians. Oh, yeah. That believe that Christians have a special place in their non-existent hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Atheist people on the left, and and I have to sit, and I want to sit down with those folks. And then they find out, well, there's more to it, or that's not the yeah, you know. And, and so I, I know I'm going on about this. No. It was one very near. It was an issue very near and dear to me, and uh, one that takes time, it takes discussion. Well, it shows to me. It shows the human nature or the human condition that. Um, because everybody has different opinions mm-hmm. on every different issue, whether it be gay marriage, uh, whether it be religion, whether it be all these kinds of things. And and the tough part about it is everybody doesn't just have different views. They're passionate about their views. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, human nature, when there's disagreement, rather than focusing on or talking about the things that we do agree upon, we want to dig in on the disagreement almost until we're going to try to force each other to see it the other way. And the thing that you find out about the human experience is that's impossible. Exactly. You know, because everybody's fight. everybody's, in essence, everybody's fighting for the thing that they feel is the right thing. Otherwise you wouldn't be fighting for it. Right. Right. And sadly, the political discourse is driving that ideology. Mm. It is. It's just an ideology. Mm. It's a political movement. And it's going trickling from this to the state level, to the local level, to the dinner tables, to the neighborhoods. Mm. It's dividing families. That's interesting because you're right. It goes it all is. the way down. It, it is. all the way down. It goes all the way down. And, and, and uh, you know, and how many times you heard this, Nick? Mm. I get so sick when I hear the, these political leaders on these so-called political leaders and the talk shows. Well, we need to have a national discussion about racism. Mm-hmm. We need to have a national discussion about gamers. We need to have a national discussion about uh, about women's rights. No, you don't. Yeah. Your dis- your idea of a discussion is we're going to sit down. I'm going to tell you what I feel, and if you disagree with me, you're an evil idiot. That's what the right. national discussion begins right. and ends with. Right. So you agree down the line with what I agree. If you have any disagreement, I'm not going to – because so many – of the positions taken, they're indefensible. They don't want to know the truth because it's serving a political agenda on the right and on the left. They yeah. have an outcome, and the ends really justify the means. Yeah. And if somebody gets in the way, that's not one of the parties. That's why, you know, I was Republican for, and I'm not putting down a Republican Party. Good people in Republican Party. If you had to put me in a, hey, where do you disagree or agree with most, Democrat, Republican, it'd probably be more on the, you know, I've got to be part of a right to life. Yeah. You know, Republicans are right to life. That's a big issue for me. Yeah. The abortion. I know it's very personal, very complex issue, but it's a big one for me. But I was riding around one day and God was just my soul and wrench and go, I got to get out of this. This is not me. Mm-hmm. I got, my voice needs to be a different voice. I this, I went downtown and I, I uh, re-registered independent. This was mm-hmm. nine months ago. 
and it was like a 2,000-pound freaking piano came off my back. <laughs> I felt I'd works, come huh? home, man. Wow. Yeah, because I don't want any political party doing to members what they're doing. Nobody's going to tell me uh, to jump and how well, high. it's basically putting you into a box. If you choose this affiliation, then you better... And if you don't fall in line, they don't just leave you alone. You will be punished. Uh, they call, if you're running for office, call being primaried. Hmm. If you want to run for office, that's what does the, that mean? That means they have the primaries. Mm-hmm. And usually the far zealots, far left or far right zealots, depending on which party, come out and pretty much dominate the primary. Yeah. So if you're not far right or far left, that's why you see all of these politicians yeah. pandering to the farthest extremes of their party. I mean, it wasn't too many years ago. If you were a candidate for office, here's what you had to be. You had you could be have money, you could be good looking, you could which I was neither one, so I don't know how I got elected. But you could be you, you, you could be have all of these attributes yeah. as a candidate. Well spoken, well educated, great ideas. But the big question that was asked of you, and this was all the way up almost to the start of the internet that Al Gore created, mm-hmm. you go all the way up to this point is can you reach across the aisle? Meaning, can you work with the other party? Now, not only is that not asked, mm-hmm. if you do reach across the aisle, yeah. you're going to bring back a bloody stub. Yeah. yeah, They don't want you in the room. They don't want you to do that. I went to a meeting uh, Friday in Fowler, and this woman's one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. We, we were mayors together. She was bound in Long Beach, I believe it. Anna Caballero, Senator Anna Caballero. Had a meeting with conservative farmers. Kamala Harris's representative were there, and the farming community was there. Yeah. A whole eclectic political group there because she wanted to get everybody's opinion. And when it's my turn to talk, when I got up there, mm-hmm. all I wanted to say was how much, how brave this woman is. Yeah, because she gets it. She knows right. that just by being in that room, she could get primaried hmm. next time. Yeah, by even talking to uh, a conservative, much less wanting to value their input. Right. Where are those folks? Hmm. Where are – everybody wants to be – I hear – I'm sick on the uh, – people are right. Where I, I evoke the name of Ronald Reagan. Oh, you know, you don't want to be Reagan. You just want to – you want what he accomplished, but you're not right. willing to do what he did. Right. You know, you know who Reagan spent the most time with in his eight years in Mm-mm. Washington? A fellow by the name of Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill was one of the most liberal senators ever to occupy – Congress, really, really, but he was the head of the house. He knew he was a yeah. leader, and he spent a lot of time hanging out, talking, yeah. getting to know Nit Tip to understand. And he got more done, whether you agree with him or not. Right, Reagan got more done because he could bring people together, and had an adage: "If I get fifty percent of what I want, I've made progress." Mm. Yeah. Now it's like you said. Yeah. You got to have the whole thing. Right. I either be armed like the teeth like Rambo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't tell me not. Right. Or the other side, I want all your guns, include that little cap gun you had with a kid, because yeah. it looks too much like a gun. Right. I want them all gone. Yeah. There's no there's there's no And you think and you think around. what's driving that is what you you said that we're spoiled. Do you think that, that, that is it? An entitlement of sorts? Is it absolutely we are spoiled. We don't have to think about where our next meal is coming from. You really don't. Now you may not be eating at Ruth Christ every night. Yeah. 
But you can go to the store and get your EBT card and get some food, or you can go if you've got a lot of money. So you, what you is it then? Your, is it that you're then not aware of your need? Is it yeah, we're not what, aware yeah. as, a, as a society? We're not of the aware things that, that are important. Yeah, absolutely not. Almost like you can't really identify that we have some serious problems here right. that we need to solve because you're still getting up, you're being fed, you have clothes on your back, you have a house over your head. What are my problems? I don't really have there, any problems. It's there, almost like a game. Let me ask you this. If, if Exactly. If somebody, uh, let's, let's pick the Congo, mm-hmm. came out and said, I have a plan that can make sure everybody gets a meal, mm-hmm. one good meal a day. Do you think the people of Congo would ask them if they're Republican, Democrat, no. or Independent? Mm-mm. No. Right. If that same guy says, I have a plan that can bring in medicine, so the average life expectancy of your kid is not eight years old. I have some a plan that can come in that Ford Motor Company will not have to hire two people for every position because that first person is going to die of AIDS. Mm-hmm. That's what happens over there. Mm-hmm. Found out as a mayor, is that a startling thing? Yeah. They, the, the Ford Motor Company hires two people per position. They pay the one just to stay home because the other one's going to die of AIDS. Really? That's how prevalent it is. Do you think they would ask him? Are you Democrat, Republican, or what's your no, idea on about that, on yeah. on saying, "Hey, you look good today" to a to a young lady, and they call that sexual harassment? Mm-hmm. So we've just got our our we're our, obsessing over oh, things. Oh my gosh, yes, it's just like in the in the world in our faith world. Mm-hmm. You know, you see people. T- we see them all the time. Yeah, they want to argue about again whether the Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday. Or uh, whether you know this 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 thing has nothing to do with salvation. Yeah. How many people have you helped lead to Christ today? Mm-hmm. Instead of worrying what music's not being played, <laughs> right? Or yeah. or the pastor yeah, said something saying. wrong that you said something you, you disagree agree with. with. Yeah. You know how how many? I mean, we're just obsessing because, and that's what happens when uh, you don't have to get up and be able uh, and and have the basics of life. And so that's why I have a strong problem with people on the on the far left. I, people far right and far left, I have a problem with. Yeah. But but saying we want to give everybody everything. Well, first of all, you can't do that. Yeah. The old saying, socialism works until you run out of other people's money. Yeah. But you want to give them free everything, and you grow up, you can't help but have that that entitlement. I used to hate working those cotton fields. I'm probably one of the old last people that picked cotton. Mm-hmm. My dad talked out at two dollars and sixty five cents an hour. My mom cleaned houses to make ends meet. I hated it. Yeah, I wanted to get out of Riverdale, California so bad, I hated it. Yet I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give anything for the values it put inside me because I don't take anything for granted. Yeah. You know? And not that I'm in mean, just If I would have no, been raised differently, you know? And you kids, the young people have a lot coming at them, you know? I'm looking around the young people that, you know, uh, I'm not saying you don't work for things, but like you're saying, in, in tough economic times, you can lose your shirt. Good economic terms, you can lose your soul. Well, it's, in a diff- it's, a, it's a different day and age, too. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't even draw the correlation. So the stuff that we're talking about right now, I think that most people are just completely ignorant, too. I don't even think they know. Bingo. So, like, even the Bingo. thing that you're talking about, politics, people, I honestly think, like, my generation, we have passion points. We have hot-button items that we're passionate about. But I also think that there is a great side that we view politics in a lot of ways as a, it's a, it's entertainment in some ways, you know, it's, it's a, it is a game. It's, it's something to occupy your time with because 
it's not used necessarily to solve your basic needs because like you're saying, most of our basic, for most people, not everybody, we all have, we have problems. I mean, we can talk about healthcare and how hard life is or how, you know, we're struggling to make money, but we have something. There's something that we can be grateful for that we, that right. we do have. So I do think that we don't draw necessarily the correlation between, hey, the political system and the things that we're warring against are actually important actually, you know, trying to solve uh, serious, serious problems or should be, you know, because you, you talk about the, the correlation. I've never really identified this, how you talked about how a lot of times uh, it's the political system that's even driving what's happening down the line in families. Absolutely. Okay. So like what, what kind of a light bulb moment for me when you're saying that the, the rejection side of politics, you know, you're talking about we have views on this, you have views on this. And we're not going to talk about it. You're going to see it our way, or, or, or nothing at all. You you see that trickle down all the way. And and if you don't, then we reject you. If we don't agree, then I reject you because we're not on the same page. But you go down the line, and I, I wonder sometimes why that's so prevalent in families. And you can you can use, um, the the same example of a parent, a, a family that has somebody in their family that comes out as gay. And because the family may not be accepting of that decision, the rejection that happens, mm. and all of a sudden we have no relationship with our children, mm. and yet this is your child. You know, Absolutely. this is the one that you, you have. Tra- you have taught so many different things. Your experience has so been so uh, expansive. You've been through ups and downs, and heaven and hell, and but no, because of this one thing that we don't see eye to eye on. Where and and how I've never connected the correlation that maybe perhaps it is driven by a bigger system that's programming our psychology to treat each other in a different way. I I think there's no doubt because it, it dominates the, the the internet, the Twitter world, entertainment, and politics. And like you said, I think they've conflated. Yeah. Uh, you know you can you know uh, Trump. You know I I support Trump when he does right. I call him out when he's. When I feel when he, he doesn't he like a doofus. Oh, just it's stu- <laughs> uh, stupid comments. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm one yeah. of those that, that I don't, it's not death by authorship. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, a good idea, I agree, bad idea, yeah. I, I call him out. But here's one thing that we have to understand it will never, the political world process mm-hmm. will never go back to where it was. If you're a politician running on, definitely on the national level, mm-hmm. but I think on the state level and fastly becoming the local level, even here in Fresno. If you don't have a very active social media apparatus, hmm. you're not going to get there. You've, hmm. you've this kid, young man, Beto O'Rourke, just mm-hmm. announced. Yep. Huge Saw Twitter that. world, uh, no, really no experience, never really accomplished anything. But he ris- he rose Six, like the most amount of money in like six point four million, right. like in twenty four hours. Yeah. But it's it's that uh, world. He he tweet, uh, does YouTube's of himself getting his teeth pulled, and yeah. people are laughing at him. They say, "Well, here's the thing: people are going to want to know you." Yeah. Or at least think they know you. Yeah. So you can't hide like back in the day and then come out this unknown guy like Gary Hart mm-hmm. and come out of the nowhere and say, I'm going to make people know me through political ads, right. TV ads. Right. Done. You can't paint Over the picture with. you want. Done. Mm-hmm. You can't. You're going to have to have that if you're in the entertainment world, definitely, and, and, and politicians. So it's, it's a new world. Uh, Trump understood that. Yeah. He was ahead of his time on that. Mm-hmm. Now you see the opposition party. It's like, Using that Twitter to me is like using a gun. Yeah. If you use it right, you can use it to protect yourself, to, to get food back in the day, or you can shoot yourself 
in the foot or shoot yourself in the head if you're does, not, what if you're about, not a what, user. What about with Trump, though? Because he's, he's in a lot of ways, Teflon. And and it's not just well, what I what I'm meaning is there's certain things that he said even leading up to his election that anybody else, oh, yeah. right? I mean, and it it just seems like it. Well, about, and, it's, he, I, and it's not necessarily because he uses social media yeah. brilliantly, right? But he does yeah. know how to connect. Well, if his policies, if he wasn't addressing things that over half the country strongly believe in, because the country still doesn't believe that late term abortion. Being able to abort a baby when they're eight months old is that is still 70, 80 percent of the country doesn't think that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, when you put America first, we've had to bat end all these trade deals. Uh, he was right on that. Uh, we're overtaxed. You know, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the more money you keep in American people's pockets, the more after to start business, expand business, they do a better job of that in government. History has proven that not only here in America but around the uh, around the world. So, do you think people are looking when, less? If he, well, if he no, if, those, if he would have failed on those things, yeah, he wouldn't be Teflon, right? So they would looking, be all sticking to they're, it. But they're looking less for perfection and more for policy and more for things that actually progress yeah. our society. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, or? and I think they're missing. I, and I think it's uh, to a certain degree, uh, it's it's wrong and making a mistake. Yeah, I think the president of the United States is still a role model for our kids. Mm-hmm. And I got to know Trump for about nine months during the running horse thing. And I believe he's uh, he's inside a good man, mm-hmm. but his tactics mean something. Mm-hmm. And how you do how you do things, how you talk about things. I'm not thinking, saying don't take on the press. Right. Be tough because the press is the dirtiest, most corrupt thing out there. Yeah. It, it, it can be can be the press. I'm not saying there's good, not yeah. good, hardworking reporters out there, yeah. honest, but they're fewer per square inch than there used to be. Yeah. They have an agenda. And if they don't like you, they'll use the power of the pen. And back in the day, before the internet, there was an old saying. In fact, it was said to me by a guy at Fresno B. Because uh, they told me, he says, don't get in a fight with somebody who buys ink by the barrel. Mm. Meaning, we're going to write stuff and you got no way to fight back, dude. Yeah. You can, the truth, you, you though, can go right? on a react. Well, now you can fight back. Through social just, media. Yeah, that's right. Nobody uses ink. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. So they don't have that, uh, that power. That you power. Can, which is. Something we're all getting used to in the political climate as well. Yeah. Don't you think people are learning to? Well, it seems to me that they're learning that you can't just buy everything that is just that is that is put out. Um, and I think that we're acknowledging that if you dig deep enough in anybody's dirt, you're gonna find you're gonna find something. I find that as people have conspiracy, not conspiracy, but controversy after controversy after controversy. Don't people, if they're honest, see a little bit of themselves in a lot of uh, the things that happen, their own humanity, the fact that we're all imperfect? Is that why we're becoming more, is it a tolerance thing or I don't know? I think to a certain degree. No, I, I think you're, you're right par- partially what's happening. I think still, by and large, people want to see people uh, better, yeah, stronger than we are. That's yeah. why they're in leadership because leadership is lonely. Mm-hmm. Leadership is yeah. <laughs> can wear right. you down than wear you out. Yeah, uh, half the people are going to hate every decision you make. You lose a lot of friends, mm-hmm. and I think they they want to see somebody going. Well, I could never do that. I really am thankful for that person because they got the qualities to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's that quality. But there's also what you're talking about the relatability that once you've fallen, it's. Um, I use an example of my campaign for mayor. 
People know me as Bubba. He mm-hmm. and I, they know me speaking at churches, making films. We've talked yeah. about that. But uh, what is not known as prevalently is my eight-year struggle with alcohol and cocaine. Mm-hmm. They don't know about the, the guy, the unemployed guy stumbling around Sunset Boulevard with yeah. puke all over the front of his shirt, not knowing where he was with a four-year-old daughter waiting with babysitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not something that... Uh, I'd like to talk about, but I must talk about. Yeah, I've never been in a rehab, never been arrested. But should mm. have been both. So I, when God delivered me 33 years ago this October, in a ditch bank outside of t- town here, about 20 miles, um, He delivered me from alcohol and drugs. Uh, never haven't had a drop of alcohol or drugs since then. But uh, He laid on my heart that this the only reason I was alive was because of this ministry, was to help others either get off of drugs and alcohol or prevent them from getting on it, if mm-hmm. my story could help them. So um, I went forward, and I remember getting up from that. I didn't have a pot to you know what in. He the knife wasn't in the picture. I was living with my mother on Social Security, raising a four-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know what? If I have to go get a job pumping gas on Blackstone, it's going to be great because you know what? I know I'm never going to be high again. Mm-hmm. My daughter doesn't need a high, uh, famous dad. Need, needs a dad that's sober. My daughter didn't need a, need a dad that was rich or yeah. mother or friends. They needed somebody who's going to be dependable and going to be sober in their mind and loving God. Yeah. And that so happened. Uh, about a year later, I went in and got the audition for you the night. And, but that became something I would do, speak at churches, do yeah. one-on-ones. Whenever God put it across my path, well, when I ran for mayor, I was still doing that. I gave a talk with a, at a church, and some of my uh, so-called handlers, advisors, uh, got me together, and they said, you know, why don't we just kind of put this testimony on hold till after the election? Mm. Might be a little bit too much, you know, this talking about cocaine use, yeah. and, you know, it could be used against you. And, and uh, I said, look, and I'm not saying I John Wayne did. I had no choice. Yeah, You know, I didn't, I didn't matter who was coming. <laughs> I'm going to stick the course. I was very humble by it. I knew what they were saying. Uh, but I, I also knew that that ministry came before everything, including uh-huh. being mayor. And if the people of Fresno, I was willing, if they felt that that it happened 10 years ago. Yeah, that that disqualified you. And and you know what? I would not have had a bone to pick with those folks. Yeah. Because I can understand that. Yeah. I can understand somebody thinking, well, there's a cokehead. How do I, do I really believe him? And if I hadn't had 10 years between that, if I would have had one year, two years, I wouldn't expect the people to trust me Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't get on drugs again. Quite frankly, I wouldn't have trust myself, you know. It was just, I mean, if I had to put myself in that in that position. and uh, But uh, I talked about it. There was these hit pieces that come out. I'll never forget the headlines. Coming to a mayor's race near you, cokehead, alcoholic. Really? Uh, and, uh, but bottom line. On what was the, that, the tactic to, to derail yeah, you? Or? Yeah, yeah. It was from one of the guys I was running against, sent out this mailer to all the Republicans. <laughs> and so it comes election night. I was the calmest guy on earth to say, I just want to get my message out to end a tale of two cities. And we had to start lifting up our poorer communities. And if we didn't do that, we couldn't survive. And I, my whole platform was around that from law enforcement to whatever. And so uh, I was ready to, to party for, hey, if we would, we could have won by a little bit or lost by a little bit, won by a lot, lost by a lot. Nothing would have really surprised me. I didn't, I didn't know. And we won by 63%. We got 63% of the vote. Mm. So the people of Fresno said what you're saying. It's yeah. a long-winded way of saying, you know, and you find out later that a lot of 
family members have either been through, families been through that themselves, had friends that have gone through drug addiction, made it through the other side. So I, I think there's a certain amount you want somebody um, that you know is going to make solid, pragmatic uh, decisions. I have a saying, when you run for political office, you must you got to have flexible politics and unshakable principles. Mm. All too often, it's the other what way What do you around. mean by that? Well, by unshakable, uh, flexible poli- unshakable principles, let's say. Every person deserves a, deserves a fair break. Mm-hmm. Every neighborhood deserves the highest quality of police protection. Mm-hmm. Every kid in every school should be just as valuable as any other, whether they learn their skills in sports yeah. on a asphalt thing with a, a rim with no net, or they get to go to the most expensive basketball camps. Right. That, that's just a fair shake. That's an unshakable principle. You're never going to deviate from that and say, well, now it's okay to be unfair to this group so this group can be. Never. Now, flexible politics means, uh, for example, I'm a private sector guy. I believe the private sector does a better job at producing jobs than the public sector. Mm-hmm. But I also know that downtown had been abandoned for so long by the private sector, three decades, that it was going to take public-private partnerships. Mm. The city was going to have to put in some resources with the private sector. Mm. So that's it was politically flexible. Yeah. On I wasn't stuck in that. And what's happened so often, you get these politics – no public involvement right. in anything. Yeah. No welfare, no food stamps, no this, no that. Uh, under any circumstances, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, even if you don't have any straps. Mm-hmm. Find some way to get your boots on. <laughs> that gummit I did when yeah. I was a kid. Back then, I had no boots. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, I, I think you just have to do what are your unshakable principles that you're not going to move off of. Yeah. And what is your political standpoint? If you do that, I think you can be an effective leader. But what it's going to require you to do and is be willing to lose your job to do your job. Yeah. Because in this case here, a developer comes into your office and says, hey, I, I, wanna, I want this development. You say, well, I don't think it's in the best interest. of I've done my research on it. Not in the best interest of the whole city. It's only going to benefit a few. Well, you know who I know. Mm-hmm. Don't you try to run for re-election again. You're going to be toast. Mm. So can you withstand that and say, yeah. well, thank you very much for the advice and the forewarning and I'll see you down the road. Most people don't, though, right? I mean, you're, you well, come from that world. Is it? Yeah, I, I can't speak for everybody. That was no any way to move me. Yeah, because you couldn't give me anything that I. I mean, I was raised poor, but but happy with a lot of love with my mom and dad. Yeah. I mean, you could if I was raised poor and unhappy, and you could wave a bunch of money in me and big. I know you can't buy peace of mind. You can't. And there's one thing I would like be better than mayor, and that's looking in the mirror. Because I'm ugly enough as it is. If I look in there and see the ugly guy and the guy that's dishonest and selling the city down the thing, I wouldn't sleep. Because I like to do what they better than me, yeah. being sleeping. I love my sleep, Nick. And any, anything, I'd say, yeah, I might be the most crooked guy in the world if I didn't like to sleep. If I was an insomniac, hey, yeah. yeah. Pay me off. Stick that money in my pocket, man. I'm ready to go. What do you need? You'd like to sleep. Yeah. Was there anything in politics that surprised you? I mean, as far as what your what it would be like, and then once you got involved, was there any... Oh, I didn't know it was like this. You know, about 75% I anticipated. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel it was like some big political trigonometry that you had to figure out. Mm-hmm. Just know what your principles are, what you want to accomplish, get together a great team, get an action plan, and go do it. I call it the four gets. Get the people, get the plan, get the money, get it done mm-hmm. in that order. The other 25%, <laughs> it's like the dog that caught the car, man. Really? Oh, gosh. What kind of stuff? Well, I never realized how dysfunctional Sacramento was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uh, frighteningly 
dysfunctional. I, I wish I could tell you, because when I first went there and I saw how nobody was talking to each other, how the politics was all, how the childish, pedantic little yeah. stuff that was going on. Politics within politics, well, right? Well, yeah, and, and, and just like in a high school campus, people talking about each other <laughs> yeah. behind their back. And and uh, we were in a press conference. Oh, I won't name the guy who's the speaker of the assembly. And I'm talking to him, he says, now, when you go next door and speak to and this other senator, don't tell him you met with me. Really? Tell him you met with me. But go and tell so-and-so you met. And I'm going, what the heck is yeah. So I, I left, and I'm with my buddy driving back going, you know, maybe Sacramento just had a bad day. Yeah. I know it was weird everywhere yeah. up there, but it yeah. can't be as simple as this. Surely it's not just like that. a bunch of people just politically poisoned going at each other and, and not thinking anything what's best for California. Well, after my third year, yeah. three years of that, I just I, I I knew it was bad. I didn't realize it was that bad. Mm-hmm. It, it was clueless, and you see why the state has so many problems and is on the precipice of economic catastrophe. Uh, and maybe that's what it's going to take for the for the parties. Well, to come you look together. at and then and then also I never realized how hard working the city employees were actually were. Yes. Mm-hmm. How much you know? You get, they get the bad rap. They oh, do. they're just passion, cashing the checks. Yeah. I saw passionate workers really? that love their city. They got up every morning, mm-hmm. morning, wanting to make a difference. Hard working folks, man. Yeah. So, and I'm ashamed to say, yeah, that was surprising to me. Yeah. I, I, I had image in my mind that I guess had, had read too much well, junk. I, I always wonder because you see some of these. Um, Hit drama television shows and things. And hey, don't start on Heat of the Night. <laughs> I'm going. Don't there. go. Come on now. <laughs> I thought it was really off Dude, limits I, there. No, we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to in the Heat speaking of the Night. Of a, speaking of a cure for insomnia, <laughs> anybody out there, if you're having trouble sleeping, just <laughs> just put on. Just, <laughs> you go to WGN, yeah, yeah. or you can order the box set DVDs <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> Better than Salmonex. Just put, put you out. Yes, just watch that 15 minutes Come with on. me on the screen, you're out. Give yourself some more credit. <laughs> that was a good show. But you, you see in, in – uh, I mean, it's super trendy and a huge part of what people are interested in, the shows that show uh, corruption within politics. And I think – all of us would like to say, "Ah, oh, no, that doesn't happen." But at the same time, I think we go go to bed thinking, "You know what? There's probably more of that than we than we think." The politics within politics, the power struggle, you know, the 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 bidding pieces. Whether it be, I mean, you see people that they don't really care about immigration, but they'll use it as a token to get what they want in a different area. Do you find that 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 some of what we see on TV is actually true? Oh, it's actually yeah. <clears throat> absolutely because it's about power. Mm. people want to have power over other people. Mm. They get their jollies off on that. They feel comfortable that it's just a thing about human nature. Uh, we could go back to the garden. Yeah. You know, it was a power thing. Yeah. The enemy said, you know, you'll have the same power mm-hmm. as God. And then uh, Adam did his thing, gave in, and that's, I just think it goes back to that. Um it's not about coming up with solutions. If that happens, if something nice happens along the way and you're able to do some public good for some folks, then that's okay. But it's yeah. about keeping that power. Right. Otherwise, you wouldn't have – and I'm not picking on the Democrats. It just is because I'll pick on the Republican Independent. Yeah. But in Chicago, you have about 2,700 murders last year, and 99% of them are, are, are African-American young men. Mm-hmm. And 
you don't call attention to that. Yeah. You, you're just you're, you you don't go in there. Act and, like it's not an issue. And it's simple. You yeah. could get rid of it tomorrow. Hmm. You got to, if you even if it calls bringing in the National Guard, you get those drug dealers off the deal. Get them in prison so they can have a nice prison ministry like Bill Glass visit them, mm-hmm. and you get them off the streets, and you 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 make the streets safe for these young kids to go to school. Then you yeah. start investing in those schools, and you start encouraging churches to come in. Yeah, Chicago used to be one of the most heavily faith-based areas around. Yeah, and the local pastor had a lot of influence in those streets that are now totally controlled by the drug dealers. Yeah. He used to be the pastor had they're not there anymore. Well, you thought I mean you talk about that and I, I think about uh, I think about I mean it's kind of the whole crux of the conversation is these problems that we're talking about it's not it's not brain surgery here. Like I mean there's ways to solve these problems if we'll keep it about the problems, but it's been so polluted by other things, by the power um, by the desire to be right. At this point, I mean you said there's no there's no stopping a lot of ways that fast-moving train. What what do we do if there's no fixing it through politics? What what is what is our role as citizens? What is our role as Americans? What is our role as humans to attempt to put the pieces together or to well, do our best? Well, you know, as you as pastor know um, better than most anybody about leadership, God's. Uh, how important that is to God, mm-hmm. leadership, and godly leadership. Um, <clears throat> we, we've we lost that in this country. Uh, Billy Graham, for many years, was someone who was on the scene. There were, religi- there were uh, faith-based organizations, Christian organizations that worked together, and politicians felt like they needed them. So there was a tempering of that darkness— and deals made that even with with every party that say, "Hey, I don't want," and I'm using I'm going to use this name because it sends up a flag to people. Mm-hmm. But it's to prove my point. I mean, to to illustrate my point. Whether you agreed with him or not, Jerry Falwell was someone you either wanted to align with or get him to remain neutral with his moral majority. He was able to get enough Christians together. To say, look, when you're, you know, you're doing your platform, you're conducting your policy, the issues of abortion, religious freedoms, all those things are important to, to us, the Christian community, empowering the churches to let us go out and do serve the community. Don't restrict us. Freedom of speech. Don't add any more on that nonprofits. Mm-hmm. That celebration, I'm sure, is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's with the government. And they have the right to say, here's what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. If being able to say, look, don't don't tell us what we can do from the pulpit. All those things were that you had to consider that the faith, the the, the Christian aspect mm-hmm. in this country that's gone now mm-hmm. because they're so fragmented that there's nobody, there's no real teamwork among the, the churches yeah. to find those values. Illustrated and imbued in public policy. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, when you've lost that. As as people of faith, we know that you're either God driven or it's not. There's nothing going to work out uh, in the long term because um, greed does not lend itself to a charitable heart. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. Yeah. 
uh, power doesn't lend itself to humility. Yeah. And those, uh, you can go on down the line when the pursuits of man uh, start being what you're basing a country on, mm-hmm. its days are numbered. Yeah. Our Bible has showed us that. You know, when uh, he when this country was built on those principles of uh, freedoms of that God gave us, a recognition of God, and this and this uh, preacher, Mister Whitaker, I believe was his name. And people can Google him out there. Mm-hmm. And I started this story and just got sidetracked. But when we're heading down this, the founding fathers are heading down the same direction as the king. He called George Washington, all the leaders together, and said, "If you do not give this country to God." If you don't do it at this point, this point in time, recognize God. Mm-hmm. And some people think that's the only reason George Washington agreed to be the first president is because he knew that Reverend Whitaker was correct. And the first thing he did before he took office was he prayed in the St. Paul's Church in New York City. I visited there during 9-11, after, shortly after 9-11. Now, we have to know that meant something. To God, because we know when the nation of Israel gave itself to God and was obedient to God, yeah. the blessing of God was on them. When the, the nation of Israel started going their own way, yeah. they wind up splitting. So we had Israel and Judah, and he warned them, you're going to have these countries come around. And I don't think I'm being some right-wing uh, religious wacko to say, you got a country called China, mm-hmm. which is a godless country. That's economically everybody wants to be. What well, do you really want to be them? Do you really want those sound? I mean, I look at those beautiful places to make movies. Mm-hmm. These sound stages, Nick. Yeah, they're not facades. Yeah, they're real. Oh man, they're yeah. dishing out all money. I could go to China. Yeah, make a movie. Boom, boom. But you know what makes me feel better than anything? Mm. Somehow, the movie we're going to screen tonight, Victory by Submission, mm-hmm. we're the only faith-based film to ever make it through the censorship board. In China, and that movie's being shown in communist China right now. Mm. A Christian movie, and that was prayer. This yeah. this distributor came to us from China, said, I think I, I have a friend on the censorship committee. He's a Christian. Yeah, because they don't allow that. They don't. They Well, you you, you have to address it up yeah. as you see the film. It is, it's it's an unabashed Christian film. It doesn't hit you over the head with a 50-pound Bible, but yeah. it's... But it's, uh, I think that's at the, that's the center of it all. We as the Christian community, this country needs us to stand up and show how much we love one another. Yeah. We love the gay So that's where it starts we, out, right? Absolutely. Just the love. I mean, it really comes back to the simplicity of love and le- allowing that to be the motivating absolutely. force, not power, or greed, absolutely. and all these kinds of things. If we could start there, then hopefully we could shift some of the, the narrative of our society. Exactly. Set aside our arrows love more, hate less. <laughs> as cliche as it sounds, no. it really is well, it the, is the simplicity. I mean, you know, Jesus spoke in parables, you know, when you're talking, you don't think things out. Sometimes he spoke clear as a bell. Yeah. When he's, you know, I asked him, why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? He didn't speak in a parable. He said, yeah. love God with all your heart and your mind. Love your neighbor yourself. Yeah. Get back to love. Greatest of these is love. Right. It is that yeah. simple. That don't simple. complicate the holy and beautifully simplistic yeah. that we all get. 
He didn't mean it to be confusing. Yeah. Just get it. To dumb guys like yeah. me can get it. <laughs> to brilliant guys like you. Oh, come on. You know, I mean, <laughs> there is something about human nature that wants to make things more complex than they need to be, though, oh, right? Oh, man. It, I don't know if it makes us feel more productive or, or well, what. But. Well, well, I think that's where Satan played on with Eve, and, and I go back to the garden. Mm-hmm. He started working the minds. Hey, no, no, no. You, he, he's, he's not, you're not going to die. Yeah. You're not going to die. Yeah. You know, they were thinking... I'm going to eat it and die physically, but we know what it meant. Mm-hmm. You're going to go down a path that your soul is going to die. Yeah. You know? But he started working on their their greed, their their power, their lust for power, yeah. not just the lust for each other. Yeah. I mean, it is that simple. And and we, uh, you know, it was the faith based community. It was, you look through our most difficult times in history. It was good, godly people that God raised up that led the way. They paid a horrible, you know, very tough price. Yeah. You know, from the Founding fathers, you know, with George Washington and uh, the, the the men of faith that were there. You go through to Abraham Lincoln, you know, when the country was born, he put a good godly man, my God, what he went through. Lost 13 straight elections, I believe it was. Had a, a, a kid die in while he was in a presidency. Had a wife who was mentally unstable. They were, pa- they were marching caskets across uh, by his office. Every day, the dead, they just let the South go. Mm-hmm. And he believed it was God's will for this country to stay together because he had a, a, a prophecy that this country was going to feed the world, was going to be a beacon of love for the world, yeah. but only if it stayed together right. and, and killed this scourge, the original sin in America, slavery. Mm-hmm. A godly man. You go to the Lincoln Memorial. Have you been there, Nick? Yeah, I have. It's See incredible. what's on that link? Yeah. It's his second address, and yeah. it's like... A sermon. Yeah, it's incredible. You look during the during the during the, the civil rights uh, unrest of the sixties. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King. Yeah, raised up by God, a man of God, to get us through this difficult time. And you look out, you know, Reagan, John Kennedy, even yeah. with his his faults. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, you look and at scripture. That's what God does best is use people with use, faults to exactly accomplish His purpose. So it's uh, it is simple, man. All you need is love. Come oh, on, you sing better, you me. better no, no, sing, no, 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 no. Alan. You better All you sing. need is love. <laughs> Let them have it. Oh, Why did you even get into politics? I felt that's what I was supposed to do. Really? That God's calling. Yeah. Because you were, I mean, acting. Well, well you, okay, let's talk through. You were, in, you played in the NFL too, right? Uh, I had a great career going until they put me in. You played, you played for the Packers, <laughs> right? The NFL stood for not for long for old... <laughs> For old Carlos Alonatri here. <laughs> I forget your first name is Carlos. So. It is, man. <laughs> you know, there's a free story on that. What? My dad, who I didn't meet till I was 28, because he was a, really? wasn't drinking, he was great. When he drank, he was a monster. Mom took me away from him when I was 11 months old. But he was, uh, they used to go to Republican rallies and get in fights, him and my, my uncles. And he had this one guy who was running in 1952 named Carlos Spate. Mm-hmm. And he loved him so many, much he named me after mm-hmm. him. I think he got about. 150 votes out of the really? entire story. But my my mother named me Alan after Alan Ladd, an actor. Uh-huh. And I'll be dang if both of those names I wind up being a politician and an actor. I didn't How know. Funny that. <laughs> Just funny is that, man? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know what got me on that. What'd you ask me? Uh, I don't. What was I talking? Hey, by about? the way, hashtag Nick Han. Yeah, t- follow uh, me on Instagram. Follow yeah. him on Instagram. Where's, how come you don't have Instagram? Nick Han. You don't have an Instagram, do you? I'm an old fool. Yeah, I need to. <laughs> you, yeah. I got to get out there. I might how run for office. How are we doing on time right now? What time is it? Five thirty-seven. Five thirty-seven. Okay, we got to wrap up pretty soon. Um, I want to talk about in the heat of the night, and we can wrap up there. 
Because that only was, if you sing the theme song. <laughs> no, come on, I sing a little no, love. I'm little, not gonna sing it. Hey, but I'm, I did a Beatles song, which was gonna cost me half of my uh, Christian followers. <laughs> come on, I sing them on them John Lennon songs. I know. Isn't it funny how how weird culture? I knew is Hollywood's gonna get a watch. <laughs> Well, is it? Wouldn't people say if you play the Beatles songs backwards, like on the remember all those crazy? Oh things? yeah, oh yeah, conspiracy oh, theories. Those aren't new. Those but, you know, but, but you know, when you uh, gosh, what's the song? Like, Hugh O'Connor, God rest his show, loved it. That was, uh, oh God, what is it? The one that uh, Which one? Imagine. Oh yeah, that's really. You listen to it; it's nice melody. But yeah. man, that's a when you that's a, you <laughs> want a song. song to lead you to hell, man. <laughs> but you feel good till you get there, you know. Uh-huh. Imagine. How many of the of the uh, in the heat of the night guys are still still around? A lot of them uh, are they still acting, or are they? Well, yeah, David Hart is, Anne Marie Johnson, and some of the uh, supporting cast. I'm still kicking around, <laughs> uh, but Carol's gone. Howard's gone tragically from. Uh, he died of a drug overdose. Who was that? Howard. Okay. Uh, Hugh committed suicide. Uh, he had a bad. bad uh, Bad bout with uh, drugs and alcohol. The monkey mm-hmm. got on his back and couldn't get it off. And Carol died of a broken heart. I always say that uh, said, when yeah. Hugh when Hugh died, you know he stopped living. His heart just stopped beating. Seven years later, it was just really, really. really uh, it was sad to, to to see to see the progression each year. But that's what addiction does. Yeah, you know. And I'll never forget loading him up. I was one of the pallbearers and thinking to myself, you know. God, why am I not in that box, and why isn't Hugh loading me up? Because we were both doing the same things, you know. And I never could have given even at that time. That. So you were both in that. You were because you were no, no. I was, I was. Uh, you were clean at that time. Sober, okay, three years sober. But you had been doing that. Yeah. That was your journey. Yeah. Why didn't it end up like that yeah. for for me? Because uh, I never could get an answer to that till uh, Arnie Jacobson, a preacher, told me. He says, cause he says, uh, the only one that had an answer. Uh, I don't know if it's right or not, but I'm buying it because the only one I ever heard. Yeah, he says because you had people praying for you, mm. and I thought I did. I had a praying mom, praying family, and and Hugh really didn't. They were kind of yeah. His uh, mother was into the mysticism stuff. Do you have a picture of of him when he was in, in the? Hey, I was young. I needed the money. Picture of what? Look at that guy right there. <laughs> I was young. I needed the money. <laughs> oh, you know what picture you had, Nick? Come on, man. <laughs> We have those two, oh, but we okay. won't. Hey, we won't do you dirty like that. Come on. <laughs> well, look at this picture, okay? Oh, so this man. is like one of your iconic pictures here. I actually watched them in the heat of the night the other night. My wife and I were watching it, just reminiscing. Oh, my when goodness. you look at this picture, what's the biggest difference between that guy and this guy at this table? Thirty-five thousand dollars a week. <laughs> Back then, <laughs> a week. A okay, week. that's a big gosh. <laughs> He kind of missed it. He was, not, that, not that I'm driven by money. You know what? We can do, about, I could tithe more. I could tithe <laughs> more go. after there it's just I think we should do a oh. reboot. I mean, if Full House gets a reboot, why God, not? Well, no, but there's not enough people alive. <laughs> what are you it do? would be centered around your life, right? Yeah, be we behind could the do. desk. I got two fake hips now. I, you know, I went from the guy going, you know, running after the bad guys. Yeah. Now I'd be behind the desk going, I expect them to have them by noon tomorrow. Go get them. <laughs> But yeah, I, you know that's, uh, that brings back a lot of memories, and I, I look at that as one of my favorite pictures because um, you know, is this a podcast? I don't know. If yeah, you can see the picture, uh-huh. or not. but it's kind of you know I can't even remember who snapped it, but it's kind of me. And I look at I'm just saying thank you mm-hmm. to all the people that you know gave me a career that that yeah. uh, I don't get all I don't mean get all sappy and everything, but 
you know, this happened to me when I was 34, 35. Yeah. Just a little further down the road. I didn't have much of anything going till this till this show. Because that was your break, right? It was, it was a break. And, and people kept it going. You know, mm-hmm. they kept it going. The sustainability, you know, we're talking about. And, and just the things that people come up and said to me. Uh, you know, uh, there's an old saying in the business when you're trying to get it really good yeah. that you don't want to be full of yourself. And you say, hey, let's just get this done because we're not curing cancer here. Mm-hmm. I get that, but one day it hit me. You know, we want to get make sure we did the, the episodes as good as possible because yeah. even though we're not curing cancer, we can make people forget they got it for an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're mm-hmm. shut in, or no. and I got a lot of that. Uh, you know, fan mail from people saying, you know, my grandma was sick with cancer and she wouldn't miss that show, and when that show was on, you know, she had a joy in her heart and mm-hmm. a smile on her face, and you know, that meant a lot to me. You know, that uh, we were able to help somebody's quality of life in some small way. Yeah. You know, and, uh, so it was, it was, it was quite a ride. I, I have nothing but, uh, you know, great memories. You know, you had, everybody asked them what it could have shit us. Yeah. You know, the old three stooges, but I don't let them, yeah. Try not let them keep me awake at night. But. When I look back on a conversation you and I had one time, I was asking you a bunch of different things, but one of the things that you said that stuck with me, um, because, I mean, especially in the heat of the night, I mean, you, did have your break and got the thing that a lot of people are looking for that they would call success. And I remember asking you, how do you define success? And like instantaneously you responded and you said, success is finding peace in your life. Like that was just, just instinctual, almost like knee jerk reaction. I remember because you said it so fast, it's like lodged in my brain, like success is finding peace in your life for you. How have you found that? Well, that ditch bank. Huh? That's you know, part of your story. Your story. Ago, Thirty-three years ago, he because uh, I I I had known it but wouldn't admit it to myself that I never felt like I measured up. I always felt less than. I was uh, a lost person trying to find meaning in the world and trying to feel like I mattered when I felt like I was a nobody. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the distress and the anxiety and that that causes and not having uh, not experiencing peace and never even knowing what it was. Mm. So I, I, I knew it there. I knew it wasn't what I had in me. Yeah. But I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Okay. I knew I didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know what it was. Because you hadn't experienced it. I hadn't experienced it. it. And when I got up from that because uh, I didn't have anything that the world thought mattered. In fact I was a total failure. Mm. But when I got up from my knees after bawling my eyes out and asking God to 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 speak with me, make First of all, let me know that he's real. Mm-hmm. I had to level with God for the first time. Mm-hmm. I had to tell him, I don't know if you're there. Yeah, so I have a lot of doubt. Sometimes I don't even believe. I want to believe, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, God. And he answered me in a big way, and I just felt that burden of addiction, that scourge of addiction come off of me. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was never going to be high again, that the things that really mattered in life, number one, that I mattered because God said I mattered, mm-hmm. and that I couldn't earn from life, only what he could give. Can't earn what only he could give. Mm-hmm. And then I said what, what life was all about, and that was loving God and loving others. And I felt that peace for the first time, and uh, it's 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 never left me. Sometimes it gets challenged. Yeah, You know, you go through the struggles of life. But uh, I was able to uh, instantaneously be around alcohol and not be tempted yeah. to help my buddies. So I, that's it's peace, man. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't give that up for, for, for anything. What do you say to the person that's, that's that's in that position that you were? That I don't, I don't know that I've ever experienced that. How did they, how did they find that? 
cry out to God, keep asking, keep talking to him. It's simple even as if that. You don't, even if you don't believe it. It says if you have a faith of the mustard seed, mm-hmm. you can say this mountain be moved. So that means even if you go, you know, actually said, just cry out to me. I don't believe him. Yeah. I think it's far-fetched. I think it's crazy. But I'm just going to do it Yeah. just to see. Yeah. That's the faith of a mustard seed. Yeah. Because if you had no faith, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. I'm convinced of that. I think that's what the mustard seed is. If you do it to prove me wrong, mm-hmm. if you just do it because you're, you have no belief that's going to be there. Yeah, you keep talking to him. Just keep doing it. Keep keep talking, because he'll find you. Yeah, he's he's you're looking for you. Even if you're not looking, he's looking for you. Mm. Just like the prodigal son. Yeah, that's all about Jesus looking. He left and he was looking out and he saw him coming miles away. The the woman with the with the coin, you know. That, that's looking. The, 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 the Jesus who said, who would not leave the 99 and go find the one lost sheep? Yeah. He's looking. He's there. He's looking at you. He's, he's searching for you, too. Yeah. And just keep doing it. And God is a, is a God of his word. Because I just, for, I, and I don't know why I kept what little mustard seed faith I had. Uh, but just be honest with him. Yeah. Be honest with God. And he'll be there for you. You can't run him off. Mm-hmm. That's what the Psalms were all about. You, people, I don't feel you, God. I don't right. think you're here. Yeah, don't, that's right? very true. I mean, a lot of them yeah. are like that, right, oh, Nikki? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. but but says, but then, but I know you're there. Yeah, I, I didn't you, feel like yeah. it. You got to. So be just, there. Uh, I think Jim Valvano said it best: never give up, never give up, mm. never give up. Keep asking. If you're out there and you you're having your bout with drugs, or you have, just just keep fighting. Keep asking God to come in your life. You're wearing off that cocaine, that yeah. speed, yeah. that heroin. And and you get up next day. You keep just keep asking keep God going. to lead you out of that. Go to that church. Go into that church. Yeah. And just sit there. And let God work on you. Yeah. And if you have a family member, pray for them. Yeah. Because I think that's the only. I'm buying what Pastor told me. Yeah. I think the only reason I'm here in front of this mic. Yeah. Is because I had people praying for me. Yeah. And you didn't. And I'm probably going on and on. People might. I have, love may, it. People may have wished. No, it's so <laughs> I good. I appreciate it. I had no. Thanks so much for hey, stopping Nick, by. Thank you. I love your bi- pod vodcast. Podcast, you got podcast, a, whatever. You got it a is. whole team here, we man. Do. You know, these guys are great. They're killing it. Promise me you'll come back. We'll hey, come back and talk again let's sometime. Let's do her. All right. Thanks, God bless y'all. You thank too. you.